Hello and welcome to Dad the Trenches. My guest today is Kenny DeShields, and I think you're going to like today's conversation. Um, there are people sometimes that you meet in life that are just plain free. They're free in their heart, their mind, their emotions, and their freedom does something in you to unlock more freedom in your own life. So, um, you know, the thing I appreciate about it is Kenny is that he is one of those kinds of people. Um, also, one, one note after the mid-break of this episode, we hit on more sensitive and mature topics um, you may not want younger ears to hear. So just be aware in case you're listening in the car or at home with an earshot of uh, younger ones. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll jump back in at the end of the episode. Here we go. You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly Father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional Father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches. A resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. So, Kenny, thanks for joining us here on Dad in the Trenches. Man, it is good to have you. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to be here, man. You know, I am not only a friend, but I am a fan of yours, and I love reading your your posts and love I'm seeing what you're doing. So thank you for having me be a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. You and I connected early on in the early Dad in the Trenches days. So this is uh, really fun to just get to get to have a conversation, get to hear what the Lord's doing in your life. So yeah. um, so introduce us uh, to Kenny a little bit. Tell us about yourself, your season of life, and um, what you up to. My name is Kenny DeShields. I live in St. Louis, Missouri with my beautiful wife, Christia, and our three boys, Shiloh, Chiago, and Hugo, ages four, three, and six months. Oh, man. So you know <laughs> a rocking and rolling time for us. Dad in the very trenches. <laughs> Bruh, I'm telling you, you know, you pray for things. I'm like, God, we need some help. And so <laughs> that is such a, an accurate depiction of this, especially I think this third go around. Going from two to three kids has been was definitely challenging for us. So it was good to have some um, some Holy Spirit inspired, you know, just like, hey, this is what the word says about this type of material to like focus mm. on and meditate on. So yeah. So yeah. We're here in St. Louis. Um, I'm on staff at our church as our worship arts director um, and also um, uh, music artist, singer, songwriter as well. We're working on my first full length album, The Real Love Project, that we're awesome. releasing this fall. Woo! Yeah. A long journey for that. It's finally coming out. And uh, so excited about that. My wife and I are um, we're working on an initiative in our community called Delmar United, where we are. Um, 
basically uniting a socio-economically divided area by bridging a gap between the two. Literally, there's a street called Del Mar Boulevard. Um, north of the street is uh, poverty, and literally south of the street is extreme wealth. Hmm. Um, and so basically, as a way to link arms with both sides, we are connecting with civic leaders and um, ministries, small business owners, entrepreneurs, pastors in the area, and just dreaming of ways that we can um, unite the city and uh, share a common goal as, as far as like, how do we make our city better? So it's been really awesome uh, to see that come together and to work on that with her. And uh, yeah, we're just in that season of life too, where we're like, okay, you know, we, we have a lot of dreams inside of us and we want to show our kids that mommy and daddy were dreamers and they, they went after it. So hmm. it's a, definitely a busy time. Um, and about a good time though, too, we are, God just has, has been downloading so much into us right now. And, um, you know, all those things, those dreams that, you know, sometimes when you start to have kids, you have to put some things on the side and stuff. But now he's showing us how to have balance with it and be like, you know, go, go back and do this, pick up these things, run with it. So it's been cool to get excited about that all over again. That's cool. And so, you know, with, with, uh, worship and arts and music how uh tell us a little bit about your story growing up and you know what what led you to where you are today gotcha so i actually was born in moss point mississippi which is a small town on the mississippi gulf coast um grew up in a christian home my mom a math teacher uh, my dad a pipe fitter for english shipbuilding um just we were exposed to the arts a whole lot um as a kid and just and did a lot of traveling you know around the country for summer vacations things like that um but one thing growing up in the south in particular i always felt like a fish out of water like i was like there's just this huge world and i was like i you know i just knew i was going to move to new york after i graduated from high school and be a dancer or a singer or the next michael jackson or something like that <laughs> um and my no you're like you're gonna get a real job you're gonna go to college and do that and i went to tuskegee university and um, actually graduated with a degree in sales and marketing um but with always the intention to um use that in some form of music and arts and things like that and so um i'm actually really glad that my parents steered me from not necessarily majoring in music or art and actually getting a business degree because now Years later, being able to have that business side along with the artistic side has been, I think, really uh, beneficial for us and just planning and programming and, you know, being able to handle contracts and, you know, stuff like that. That's, um, cool. That's awesome. So, so where I met my wife and you know, we you know, got married and it's crazy how those journeys that don't they don't follow a, a linear line. It's always squiggles and around here and around there <laughs> to get to where, you know, you to be yeah totally and so you you did grow up with a dad in the home um what was your relationship like with your dad yeah it was good um but also like my dad i knew my dad loved me and told me he loved me a lot but my dad was also the super athletic and still is like he's what 68 years old works out three or four times a week you know it's just east you know that's killing it great health and all that stuff (laughs) and here i am super artsy fartsy guy uh (laughs) You know, and we clashed, you know, a lot of times in terms of like, because I think every dad wants their son to like, you know, really follow in their footsteps and do exactly, you know, what they do. And it's like, I try, but I was just, even now I'm still not good at sports. Do not have me throw footballs and basketballs. It will just not be a good thing. (laughs) But, um, but from that, I think, you know, I also grew up just like, man, like I, 
even having a dad in the home at times, I see how I also gravitated towards like other people, like wanting them to be my family versus my own family. And it's just, it's a sad and unfortunate thing. Um, where it's like, there is no perfect family. Like my, my parents did a great job, you know, raising us, but there was, you know, we had our things too. And with that, um, I think I distanced myself from my family for things that were either said or weren't said or done or weren't done for a while. Um, and that those wounds led me to, you know, just some really bad choices um, um, along the way from high school, college into early adulthood. Um, things that, you know, I'm still unpacking, you know, mm-hmm. right now. Um, I now being a father and just knowing how important our words are, you know, just really being more cautious of what I say, what I don't say, how I, you know, say things, it, it all really does, you know, matter. And, you know, to, I was telling you, Aaron, like about like the sleep deprivation part, it's easy to just get caught up. I'm going to be on my phone and, you know, I'm tired and, you know, the kids are, yes, they're running around doing all the other type of stuff, but they need our dads to be present. Um, and my dad worked hard. And so he showed and instilled in us this hard work, but it wasn't, I think really until my adulthood that like, I really began to appreciate and value, you know, and, and honestly for my dad and I to see a little bit more eye to eye of hmm. Um, and had to just say, wait a minute, no, this is the father that God has given me. Let me honor him and love him. Um, and that's, it's still a process. You know, I'm still, that's something I'm walking out, I think, even up to this day. And my dad and I have like a much better relationship, you know, now. Yeah, that's a good word. You know, with whatever hand you've been dealt, so to speak, still like just loving and honoring and doing what you can with, yeah. with what you've got. Man, that is a great word. John Eldridge always talks about the father wound that you carry, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to get into dad bashing, so to speak, you know, of what you didn't have. But it is. I love the, the perspective that you're just laying down of like, you know, it is what it is and um, we make the most of what we have. And that's, that's a really good hard approach for it. So that's great. Yeah. And God used some incredible men and women to help me learn that. I would say that wasn't mm-hmm. just a one time thing um most recently the movie heart of man if you've ever seen it on netflix you haven't seen it it is amazing um but just get ready because it is an it is not an artistically beautiful piece but it is it basically talks about the prodigal son Mm. um and its relationship with the father and just how how he is restored through that process but after watching this movie this was right around christmas time um the Lord told me, like, go call your dad and apologize for um, building a wall up against him. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, like, immediately after it was over, and it was like, wow, you know, because I was just like, okay, God, you have used my natural father, you know, to love me. And, occur- and like, regardless of, you know, like, forgiveness is for everyone. Like, if I want to be forgiven, I have to forgive. And so it was like, even if it's been a long time, say, you know, dad, I'm sorry for doing this. And, and like, that's definitely humbling, but it's like, it opens up this well of healing to happen. Um, and the crazy thing was when I called my dad, he basically said within a few days, my older brother and my younger sister had said the exact same thing to him. Oh, wow. Unbeknownst to any of us, you know? And so it was just like, whoa, you know, like, God, you really are doing something. Because I really believe that God wants to return the hearts of the fathers to their children and hearts of the children to their fathers. And yeah. so um, it is. It, and it's basically coming to like healing and forgiveness is a process. Like when these 
when God starts to agitate these wounds a little bit, it's because he wants to bring this stuff to the surface to heal. And I'm just like, man, I thought I was over that. There's like, there's still some more healing, some more layers happen right there. And um, the more I've been doing that, I'm just like, wow, God, just thank you, you know, for Thank you. And, and, and with that, let me say that like there are sometimes God can heal instantly, but there are some things that happen through a process. And so sure. I think this has been one that it has been a process. Yeah, that's a good word. That's really good. And one of the things I'm interested in is part of your vocation is in the church and, and, and leading uh, ministry, leading worship on stage. There's so many that I'm sure when, when your job is tied to, in a sense, performing, you know, that... Yeah. How do you not fall into that trap? Do you, are you in an atmosphere? Are you in a place with people, um, even at the church, where it's like you can, and if you're having a bad day or if you're feeling attack or, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, fight with your wife, you know, that you have people that you can be open and vulnerable with and then, you know, live authentically. And that transfers all the way on, like for Sunday morning, for instance, or on stage, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, man. Coming to the crossing, which is our church here um, here in St. Louis, um, it almost because there are a lot of counselors who are actually on staff or a part of our church coming there every day to work is like walking into a counseling session. <laughs> like it is one of those things where people ask you how are you doing. They really want to know and they care, you know, about you and will stop what they're doing and have those heart to heart conversations. So hmm. there have been so many days I've gone to work and like. It's just like the floodgates just open up and I'm like, <laughs> you know, just crying. But it's been so healing because um, they aren't afraid to like talk about the hard things or like or, or say like it's OK not to be OK right now. Um, or like today sucks or I'm dealing with this or I'm tired. And, and just I've seen how our church has wrapped around my family and I so many times um, about two or three weeks ago. um we, so our oldest son has uh, what they call proprioceptive sensory um, sensitivities. And it's basically where, you know, in the past, we probably would have marked it as hyper, you know, just like this is one of those hyper kids. But like it actually is his, his body was trying to receive, you know, certain input. And so our middle child was sick this day. I had to leave worship. Um, my wife was at home with our baby and a middle child. And so our oldest son was going to go to church um, with me. But in his... Um, kids ministry class, kids church class, they, uh, they usually have like a buddy, a shadow person that usually is in there with him. Um, and this person wasn't there today. So I'm like, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know? And, um, a friend of ours who was on our worship team actually was like, Hey Kenny, how can I help? He knew he could sense something was wrong. And then I was like, this is what's going on. He was like, hey, we'll watch Shiloh for you. Everything will be fine. Um, and I was like, Oh man, thank you guys so much. So I'm on stage leading worship and there, I can't even remember what song it was, but I look out, I look out over to the right and I see, um, our friend and his sister-in-law holding our oldest son and he's just smiling and <laughs> just worshiping God. And it was just, I, I lost it. I know what the song was do it again. And there's a song. Um, I've seen you move, you move the mountains. I believe I see you do it again. Like that whole thing. Like the not I hadn't even got to that part. I got to <laughs> walking out these walls. I thought by now they fall and I just break down crying. And the uh, congregation just starts singing it louder. 
like over me. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, wow, God. And I eventually get it together and we finish the song and stuff. But I, at the end of that song, I basically said, you know, God, I'm so thankful. And that in times like this, where I'm like, what are we going to do? People come rush and help out. And Mm. so that was one of those moments where it's easy to be like, I could just have choked back the, the tears and just pressed through it. But I was like, no, this was a place where I needed to be raw and vulnerable. And our church needed to see that side of things. Um, because especially like even in a bigger church and we are multi-site and you have all the technical things that are happening. It's like, you gotta be, you gotta go, gotta make stuff happen. Um, there is a tendency to go into performance mode sometimes, but like moments like this, one I experienced today was like, no, this is the kind of worship leader I am. Like I'm, I'm a vulnerable person and like, you know, I don't mind sharing where I am in the journey. And I feel like that's what people connect to. Um, and yeah. it's when I'm not doing those things, when I feel more disconnected. And honestly, in me, I can hear the difference in my voice when I'm, I haven't been plugged in like that. I just, mm-hmm. I have this hollow sound to me that other people may not recognize, but I recognize it. And so it just really challenges me to be like, you know, I want to, and I was just, my wife sent me a video today from a worship leader, um, Melissa Helser, about, um, I want to believe the songs that I sing. Like, as a worshiper, I don't want to go into just performance mode and just say, um, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. Like, those are great words, but like, they're better words when we live it and we believe it and we can sing it from that place versus the place of, oh, this is just a good song that's just hot right now, and, you know, we. <laughs> I'm good as a team, you know, doing this. Like, I, I, I don't want to be that type of worshiper or worship leader. What all have you experienced just with the Lord's kindness over the years and um, taking that approach of being honest and vulnerable? Well, from, I, I was used to hiding and lying, just coming from, uh, um, part of my you know story was, you know, being molested as a kid and mm. carrying this sh- and this regret and like, I'm dirty. And, um, but I have this gift. And so, but I want people to think I'm perfect and that I have everything together. And so there was this competing thing where it's like, I was literally an heir of perfection. And it wasn't until um, about 10 years ago where a um, a good friend of mine who has actually been just one of my closest friends, but like really walked me through the whole process of like forgiving your molester, but also, you know, forgiving yourself on the mistakes that you've made from that, the things that have happened and mm. allowing myself to you know, allow God to peel back these areas of like, you know, stop hiding, stop lying about this, stop pretending that everything's okay. Allow yourself to feel these emotions, you know, go through counseling, um, put yourself in accountability, have people that can speak truth to you, you know, in love, um, you know, and just all of those things. And so it, it helped me, I think a whole lot more to, um, be able to say, wow, God, you're not the God that's mad at me and and sitting in heaven pointing your finger at me like no it is the goodness of god that leads us to repentance like Mm. it's the goodness of god that makes open up and share it's the goodness of god that says that like 
really not going through this by myself. The enemy wants me to believe that and that I'm crazy and that I'm like, no, like I am surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so, um, and I believe that in the supernatural and in the natural as well too, that like God has put armies of people around me to help me walk through this and process this. Mm -hmm. And the lie that the enemy says is that, you know, don't tell people that much because they can't handle this or that, you know, it's, you know, it's okay. You don't have to tell that part of things, but it's like, no, when we bring things to the light, it's so that the lightness can attack the darkness and send it fleeing. Um, and so for me, I've experienced God's kindness and his mercy in that and his grace in that. And also it's helped me have compassion for other men and other people who have walked through this or are walking through, you know, similar situations rather sure. than point the finger at them. So, yeah. As you've been uh, leading worship, as you've been using your voice, as you've been um, encouraging and lifting others up, you know, what, what have you experienced along the way? Just uh, spiritual warfare, you know, the breakthroughs of the spirit. I mean, uh, you know, oh, yeah. talk, talk us around some of those kind of things that you've experienced. Oh, my God. What's so crazy <laughs> about that is, so there's been a couple of things. I would say... The insecurity piece. So at times, you know, where um, I would just start to shriek inwardly, like let's say I'm doing a co-writing session with a couple of the songwriters or may, you know, be in a worship setting where there's some awesome musicians and singers, you know, and just like, what do I have to offer? What do I have to this? You know, um, but being in a place to be able to share that with others and like share that vulnerability has helped for one, it's, it almost releases like this freedom sound in a certain way that like, wow, because some people are like, I would have never thought you've experienced that or that you, you know, struggle mm. with that or anything like that. And I think it just, it unites hearts in a, a really awesome way. And that unity causes that worship to be, I think, that much more impactful because we're like, whoa, we are really of one heart and one mind as we're, mm. you know, setting up worship, you know, to the Father. Mm. Um I'm a, I think one of my gifts is in um, encouragement. And so I love, 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 love to encourage other people. So it's when I'm in settings where I get a chance to just even just, you know, share this one tidbit of something that I see that somebody's doing great or that, you know, they may not even see it in themselves and to highlight that for them, that only, I, I brings me great joy, but I also love seeing them light up and kind of start to spread their wings and soar, you know, a little bit more with that. Yeah. Um, there have been times in particular, I, when you talk about the voice and I haven't thought about this in a while, but there was, um, I would say about eight or nine years ago, um, a particular time where I was having a lot of dreams either around snakes around my throat or something usually around my voice being my voice being silenced or um, attacked. And it started to manifest physically, too, where there would be um, I was just having all these vocal problems. And, and I was just like, what is going on? Um, and so part of it was the stress fatigue. But then the other part of it was the, the warfare thing that was attached to it. Hmm. Um, and so just have people who understand that and being able to pray for me through that, you know, thank God, you know, I was able to, you know, overcome that and, um, and actually come through what's crazy. Like God restored my voice even more after that and just, you know, just more range and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, you know, thank you, God. Um, this thing right now, what we're doing, like last year, my wife and I joined Rick Pino's Heart of David Network, um, which is a, a collection of, of worshipers, intercessors, um, 
prophetic people from all over the world who basically are hosting worship nights in their cities. Um, and so we went to the Global Worship Summit and the Presence Conference in Austin, Texas last year. And some of the words, um, one of the questions, they had a panel um, discussion, and the question I asked was, it seems like to me that like in the worship movement, African-Americans have been on the sidelines for this. I'm just like, you know, in a lot of cases, it, my wife and I would be the only black people that would be at this stuff. And like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, and so I question to the panel. I was like, what do you, what do you guys, like, how do you guys feel? Um, how do you incorporate diversity and, you know, including other people and races and backgrounds into this worship movement? And Rick, you know, had such a just awesome, you know, word that he shared that he felt like, um, here, especially in St. Louis, that, um, and as I think as a whole, too, that the gospel movement needs the worship movement, and the worship movement needs the gospel movement, and that God was going to basically help use us to be part of creating this one sound, this kingdom sound, um, that would be released. And so it's been wild. We're seeing friends that are in both you know sides of this movement come together. Um, but to be a part of that, you know, just to kind of see that like God really, really, really wants to see unity in the body of Christ. And how do we incorporate different cultures? How do we incorporate um, our seasoned saints who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, who are still a part of the kingdom and how millennials and our kids, like how do we keep just grabbing these other hands and say, hey, let's do this together. One of us doesn't have all of this, but we need all of us to like form more of this um, more accurate depiction of what heaven is going to look like. So yeah. that's been cool to see that happen from a worship standpoint, but even how that's impacting communities and neighborhoods and you know other spheres. That's really cool. One of the things you you'd mentioned earlier that I just want to key on that I think is so so awesome is when you're talking about you know struggles you may be having, being vulnerable, talking about those things, even spiritual attack, those kind of things. When you actually yeah. get those out, it's like it's what brings breakthrough. It's what's um, it does. It, bringing unity with another brother, with someone else, you know. And so for yeah. the, the dads that are out there that, man, they're struggling with a secret sin, for instance, or they're, they yeah. feel ashamed or they feel dirty about something, the act, actually yeah. bringing it forward, uh, shining light on it as part of yes. actually bringing breakthrough uh, to get them to the yes. next place um, of freedom. Like, man, I... I just want to key in on that. That's so good. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because as I'm listening to you talk, like, I don't know, I, there may be a guy that's listening right now that you are in a prominent position and this is something that you may be dealing with and nobody else knows. Um, I just want to encourage you just like, for one, God is not mad at you. God does not hate you. Um, he loves you. And I believe that he allows us to hear certain things at the right time you know, to tenderize our heart. And, you know, my prayer is that like, you may even know this at least one guy, but every man needs at least one other man that he can be totally vulnerable and honest with. I mean, I'm to talk about the, the good, bad, and the butt ugly of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, my friend Mark Goins is that guy for me. And we have been able to tell each other things. It's just like, oh my God, I never thought I would say that out loud. And he was too, he's just like, oh, I've never told anybody this, but it's so liberated and it's just, and God honoring, um, because that we do, God knows our thoughts from afar. Like the word knows that so God isn't afraid of our thoughts. Um, but even when 
you know, like let, let's say it is, you know, uh, pornography, masturbation, or, or it's pride, or it's, you know, guilt or shame from that. When, when you just start to talk about it, it gets easier. I'll say that. Like the more you do it, the more you start to share, you know, with this. And what's crazy is that God has already prepared certain people in our life who can handle this. Hmm. Like, I think like we, there's nobody that we can trust to that extent. You know, you may not even be able to trust your wife to that extent. You know, that's a lie. Like God has, if you're married, God has put a, a spouse in your life. If Even if you're single, God has put somebody in your life that you can talk to to be a part of this. You even may be a single Amen. dad where it's just like I nobody else to talk to about this. But like there, I guarantee there's at least somebody. And when we take the risk of opening ourselves up to even like start to ask that question, you may even pray to God, God, who is this person in my life? And when he shows you like pursue that relationship, you know, and go for it, it has been so life-giving. I would not have made it. I would not have made, I could not make it even now if I did not have these relationships in my life. Just, mm. There's no way. Um, and it's not one-sided. It's mutually beneficial. Like You would be ama- you know, amazed how much what God, your history with God and the things that you have are life-giving to the other person, too. So, Amen. brother, whoever you are that we're to, like, pursue it it's so so worth it i'm i'm telling you from my heart to yours like there are so many guys who are lonely and who are carrying like boulders and weights that you just don't have to carry alone anymore so amen and man kenny i think we're gonna leave it on that note that is a blast of encouragement and so good so two two things um we always end with these two things one, uh, how can guys connect with you? Can they? You said you got you know album in the fall, and um, yeah. this fall, and you know what's uh, how can we connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram, Kenny DeShields. That's K E N N Y D E S H I E L D S. Um, also on Twitter, um, it's Kenny DeShields. Uh, I think find me on Facebook too, Kenny DeShields. So all of that, I, I love connecting, you know, with other guys and just, um, Hey, if I can be an encouragement to, you know, pray for support, encourage you, please feel free to hit me up. That's awesome. And then the second thing, man, would you just take a minute and pray for the dads out there? Um, all us dads in the trenches. Yes. Oh God, you know, <laughs> God, you know, I'm laughing right now. Cause I remember just a few months ago, I was so tired and so sleep deprived <laughs> and so just frustrated. And I'm just reading Aaron's posts and I'm just like, this is exactly what I need right now. And so God, I thank you for daily bread. I thank you for manna. I thank you for, um, I thank you for this ministry that's, uh, in the trenches, um, but we have the victory, God. We fight from a place of victory and not a place of defeat. And so, Father, I thank you that we are seated in heavenly places with you. And so I just pray over every brother, every husband, every father, every uncle, every granddad, every cousin that is listening to this podcast, and even to the women that love them that are listening to this podcast, God, that you would just bless their socks off right now. Um, not only with just things, but with your presence, with your the person of Jesus Christ, the presence of your Holy Spirit, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, God. Um, repentance isn't a bad or scary thing. 
Father, I pray that we'll, uh, the repentance be something of joy that we enter into because um, it p- brings us closer to you. It brings us into like sweeter communion with you. And so I pray for all of our listeners, God, that are, are um, whatever they're going through right now, may they experience your nearness right now and that you would just flood them, God, right now. Um, that they would drink from the well that never runs dry. God, help us to um, trust you, to d- depend on you even more and know that we are not alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Kenny, brother, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it has been, I feel encouraged. I feel edified. This is great. Dads, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Peace! <laughs>